Okay, now we're going to have Percy and Angie come up and give us a word from the Lord. Let's greet them with a hearty amen. Uh, now, we'll share. We've been sharing everything a long time. Toothbrushes, everything. Got weird, sorry. Oh, and a stool magically appeared. We, we are. Um, we are really thankful to be here, but we're going to begin with a tad bit of bad news. The bad news being, this is our last Sunday in Richmond. Yeah. But, we're super excited to be with you, and we're excited that Doug many months ago said, on that last Sunday, we want you guys to speak words of encouragement and challenge to our community as sort of one of the last acts that we have together And um, that's great. It's a lot of pressure, but that's what Doug likes. He likes putting pressure on people. So we're really excited, and as we look around this room, there's never been a time when I've preached here that I've ever looked around this room and felt anything other than being in the context of family. And um, what's interesting is is, um, I've been literal family to Angie for almost 18 years, and this is the first time we've tag-team preached Which is really crazy when you think about it, because she's better looking and smarter. But, um, and maybe that's why whenever she speaks, she just excludes me, generally. But, once again, uh, I wanna, I wanna just name that today, all we wanna offer, and it's hard to distill 16, 17 years of life together here, doing life and ministry alongside people, into some things that we didn't even try. We just simply sat before the Father and said, hey, Heavenly Father, today, what would you have us share with our brothers and sisters in Christ here at Easton Fellowship? And so we have six big things that we kind of wanted to hit you with, and we're going to kind of tag team. We're going to go back and forth. I encourage you to pay attention. I encourage you to laugh. Um, And I encourage you to listen and allow the Spirit to work deeply in us as we step forward together. And so... I'm going to hand to my wife, who's going to begin. Amen. Thank you. You have to hold it close to okay. your <laughs> I'm not the public speaker in the family. Um, okay, the first point we wanted to talk about was no act of compassion is ever wasted. Not even one. A couple verses to start out. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Psalm 116.5. Though he brings grief, he will bring compassion. So great is his unfailing love. Lamentations 3.32 Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. That's from Matthew 20.34. And then from Colossians 3.12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All right. Woo. Okay. Um, It may seem, I'm going to try not to cry, but you all know me, so that's pretty much impossible. Um, (laughs) It may seem that those things we do in our neighborhood for others go unnoticed or don't matter, but they do. Love changes people. Unexpected gifts, kindness, and compassion change people. Extravagant love and generosity change people. Jesus' perfect love through imperfect vessels drives out fear and changed people. 
Many of us want to do acts of compassion with guaranteed results. Mentoring, producing college-bound seniors, although that does happen. Getting someone to the right rehab program, the right parenting class. Having the local school become so fruitful that disparities in education disappear. And other important works. Don't get me wrong, these are all good things, and we have been privileged to do these alongside our amazing East End community. However, the results we see as the world are not the same ones that are seen in the spiritual realm. We'd like to say that every kid we have loved, invested in, or lived in our home has had a screenplay written about their amazing story of success, or that every overdose brought back to life in the emergency room, had to last night, has been cured from a life of temptation and addiction the minute they walk out the door, but that's not the point. The Holy Spirit is at work. He has done miraculous things and will continue to. He was there when a tormented psychiatric patient, child grown up in this community and also an East End Fellowship regular tender, who became mute and ECT was no longer working. And the body of Christ from this community came and prayed over her. And she spoke for the first time in days, shocking the medical professionals attending to her. He was there when a chance visit to the hospital for a teen smoking weed headed down the wrong path, turned into a life changed when he enrolled in Churchill Academy and later made a decision for Christ. He was there when a beautiful community came together to pray over years to break the bonds of disparity that our educational system contained and create a collaborative cross-cultural IB program for Shimbrazo. He was there for many, many, many more miracles, and his compassion brings healing now and forevermore. Whether we see the end results or not, it matters. Sharing your home with community matters. Opening your doors and your heart to love others when you don't have it all together matters. Your witness to each other and to the world with love and compassion is not wasted in your obedience to the gospel in this way. God loves you. He loves you. He loves extravagantly, passionately, compassionately, and we are compelled to do the same because of how he loves us. Amen. Amen. I will give my wife a moment to cry while I'm speaking now. Point two, and I think you'll you'll get this one. Um, Fun is an on-ramp to joy, and the joy of the Lord is our strength. In the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10, Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice foods and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is our strength. To give you context on that passage, they had rebuilt the walls of the city. And so the next thing they did to celebrate was Ezra came and he started reading from the Bible. Unfortunately, nobody in that crowd had ever read the Bible or heard the Bible read. So I want you to imagine you had been living as a follower of God this entire time and you had never heard God's word read or proclaimed, and then you did. Well, they immediately started weeping. Because they realized that not only had they not honored God with their decisions in their life, they had been actively working against his way and his vision for their life. So this is what Nehemiah walks in on. A bunch of people sitting before God's God's word, weeping and crying. And he turns to them, he says, stop. Are you kidding me? 
Joy should define this day. The God of the universe who could have completely destroyed us has given us a city. He's given us a place and he could have abandoned us. And yet again and again, this story tells us that he returns and offers us an opportunity to be in right relationship with him. So eat big, have fun, enjoy yourself because the Lord is with us. One of the questions that I get asked again and again is, why in the world am I so weird and kooky? I know. I mean, like, here's some questions that I've been asked. Why do you tell jokes all the time? Why are you always in the dunk tank? Why do you take those nerve-wracking trips to King's Dominion with hundreds of inner-city kids? Why do you watch all those Nick Cage movies? Why did you get in an eating contest with kids at CC's? And then allowed a kid to win only so you could watch him step out the door and vomit all over the sidewalk. (laughs) One answer. Fun. It's fun. And one of the things that I've been so excited about the tone that East End had, and I hope you see that as you worship here, but even more so, we love fun because we're deeply attuned to the joy of the Lord. And you see what? It's hard to have fun when you live in broken places. Fun and joy require trust. They require faith. You know, the first couple of years we went to King's Dominion, we left at lunch. Get there at 10, leave at lunch. Because none of the young people would ride any of the rides. Fear overwhelmed them. They didn't know the people they were with. They didn't know the people that were operating. When you lack the ability to trust and to trust God, you lack the ability to have true joy. Because here's the reality. We should be bubbling and overflowing with joy. Even in the midst of murder and brokenness and addiction. Do you know why? Because we are connected to the God that uses that As the seeds for how he shows his power to be made manifest. Our joy shouldn't come when, oh, well, I made all the right decisions today. Time to be happy. All of my circumstances are just as I hoped they would be. I am now happy. I'm overjoyed. No, we have to bubble over with this manifest joy of the Lord that can only come from knowing we have everything in Jesus Christ. And also means we can take all those stories of brokenness and pain and we can convert those into opportunities for God's truth and power to be made manifest. People ask me about these crazy farm stories and other things I sell. And somebody came up to me and they were like, you know, I realized after you told that story, after I stopped laughing at it, you could have probably died. And it's absolutely true, but that's the power of God's Spirit. He allows us to convert these incredibly dark stories into amazing, joy-filled witnesses to God's power to redeem dumb and broken people. I learned this, and I've told you guys a hundred stories about my Papa Luke, right? This old guy who just loved Jesus so much. What I've told you, there's one I've left off. He had joy that was so amazing that it was almost playful at all times. I've told you the stories about him always stopping when somebody was on the side of the road. But I've never told you about the story of when he was about 81 years old, I walked up to him and he said, Hey, hey buddy, 
He had his back to me and he said, hey, buddy, why don't you grab this quarter from my hand? And I grabbed it and our skin touched and I got the biggest shock of my life. I didn't realize my grandfather was peeing on an electric fence and tricking me into grabbing him. He was so willing to have that moment where he laughed that he was willing to absorb the electrical shock of that himself so he could transfer that through his body. That is how crazy joy looks. Especially in broken places. So I encourage you today. The on-ramp to joy is fun. And we cannot be weak Christians. We cannot be those that are pushed over by every breeze. And the Bible gives us one antidote for that. For our weakness, for our apathy. It is joy. (laughs) Yeah, I hadn't heard that story either. Interesting. (laughs) Okay. Um, <laughs> number three is a people of the resurrection are always known by their hope. Can you hold mm-hmm. I got it. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth and the waters receded. That was after the flood. Genesis eight, one through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and that hope does not disappoint us. Thank you. Sorry about that. (laughs) Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Romans 5, 2 through 5. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Isaiah 40, 31. And Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. That verse is was one of my favorites when I became a Christian and was graduating school and thinking about hope in the future. But I think for a lot of our young people here, it's something to really hold dear to. Um, Oftentimes, we are more tossed about by the circumstances around us and ways of the world and putting our confidence and hope in the Lord. In a place of deep spiritual battles where we find ourselves in the East End, We must cling to this hope that this Lord will return in all of his glory and make things right. He's also about the business of creating his kingdom on earth and making beautiful things out of dust. He will turn the brokenness that surrounds us into his amazing artwork. Think of broken glass bottles, beer, soda, trash all around that we see in the streets being transformed into an amazing colorful sculpture that reflects a rainbow of light all around it. We need God's hope. Those around us need God's hope. The world desperately needs God's hope. We have seen and experienced much pain and tragedy over our tenure here. Our country is struggling now. It is interesting because when we first moved here on our house in Chimborazo, we heard gunshots pretty much every night. I remember one man who was riding his bike, um, and we heard gunshots, and he dove under our front porch and grabbed himself and huddled over, and I ran over thinking he was shot and bleeding, And it turns out he was actually just ducking for cover and saw our house and thought that was a great place to stop. Um, 
But the point of that was he knew I was a medical student. I don't think there's any way I could have helped him at that time, even if he was bleeding to death. But it was a place of refuge from the violence that was all around him. What we have seen in the last few months with violence in our community is tragic, absolutely tragic. But it is not new. We have buried way too many of our own too early over the years. Jeremy, Rashad, Rara, whose funerals we preached and cried and mourned with family all around, overwhelmed by the grief and brokenness of this world. We have been tried and tempted and put through refining fire and at times almost torn apart, but the strength of the gospel is the hope of his resurrection that this is not the end. The difficult things of this world simply remind us that we have yet to be arrived. There's more work to be done. He is not yet ready for the art to be on exhibition. Shout out, Sarah. Um, The hope of the gospel is more powerful today than ever before. We must be a people of hope and refuge for all of those around us seeking safety in the gospel. If we ourselves do not believe and cling to that hope in Jesus, how can we offer it to others? Point four, we all use more grace than we deserve, so give more grace than seems reasonable to you, and even to others. I want to read this verse from Romans chapter 2, verse 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? If I had one critique of our community and maybe our culture as a whole right now, it would be that our volcanically hot, righteous indignation have made us utterly and sort of totally graceless. We can oftentimes be so called up in our rightness in any and every situation that we cease to treat others around us as if they are even human or exist anymore. The Bible, however, is clear. It moves us not to a pattern as we engage and bump up against the sin of the world of ignoring it and pretending it doesn't exist. Neither does it move us to the pattern where we step forward as God's ambassador to condemn all people participating in it. His path is quite different and quite jarring. And you know what? I'm going to say it. It's hard. It's incredibly difficult. It is that we seek to love and care and walk alongside people and be instruments of the grace and peace and care of God such that God's Holy Spirit overwhelms them and moves them to repentance. I would like to tell you that it was a wonderful article I read that revealed to me my brokenness in the areas of race. But you know what it was? It's when I had a dear, dear friend of color who I loved and cared for. Who I saw experience the brokenness that comes with that. And I was there shoulder to shoulder with him and I felt helpless and foolish. We don't like to feel that way. How many of you here raise your hands? You just love it when your sin and your brokenness is on display. But that's what's so interesting about what we see in Jesus and our Heavenly Father. He is not about broadcasting our sin so as to shame and break. He is about walking alongside us, being present with us. 
I'm going to brag a little bit on the leadership and the elders of this congregation. I saw this lived out over the past eight years. I'm going to be honest. If you don't know this, let me be the first to tell you. We are a jacked up community of people. Now, here's the other news I want to be clear with you. I have yet to walk into a Christian church that is not full of jacked up people. Okay? That, I mean, if you're looking for another church, you're going to be looking a long time. But here's what I saw. They did something incredible. They took the commands of God, and I got to be a part of this, and they said, we're going to just do the Bible on this. And so if somebody has sinned or been offended, guess what we're going to do? We're going to go back to Matthew 18. And this is what's interesting. When I was in seminary, we studied Matthew 18. And the first thing they said was, is no one should ever do this. It's dumb. It will never really work. G.K. Chesterton said something about it. It's not as though we found the word of God wrong. (laughs) We've tried it and found it's wrong. It's we found it hard and left it untried. I would say that's true for most of the commands and instructions we find in the scripture. It's not that it's like, oh, that's totally wrong. It's, and then, well, have you tried it? Silence. But I've watched it tried and prayerfully lived into. And you know what I've seen as a result? I've seen people restored to fellowship. Instead of destruction, I've seen new life. Instead of people, and let me tell you, this is the hardest thing for leaders to act in integrity in this way. Because you know what? If you don't know this in our culture, the person that's acting with integrity usually looks like the worst. Because they're unwilling to tell you things. They're unwilling to badmouth other people. They're unwilling to share information with you that the Lord has not given them the freedom to share. And I have watched over the past eight or nine years as people have struggled mightily, have invested day in and day out, who have said, I will meet with you, I will meet with you, I will meet with you forever if need be, until we see life, until we see the Lord renewing and changing and developing us. And you know what? I praise God that that's what Jesus has done with me. So people of God... We are every day, especially if we're making the right decision, appropriating and using far more grace than we think. You did something good today, guess what? It took more for God to help a broken thing do something good than it did for God to ignore that you're broken. So let's start appropriating that grace and thanking the Lord for what he's done in our hearts and our lives and the freedom that he's giving us. And then let's start asking him, To allow us to offer that same grace to those around us so they can see a vision for how far our Heavenly Father will go to see them made new and whole. Amen. Point number five is the harvest is plentiful and overwhelming. Get in the field. Um, So, um, again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? And I like this analogy because this was the scholarship I had in college from the Mustard Seed Foundation, but um, what shall we say in the kingdom of God is like? What parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade from Mark 4, 30 through 32. And then from Luke 10 2, he told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Um, 
And I just, something that I just have to share that's not on my notes, but I remember when um, we first moved to the community and um, I was personally just overwhelmed with, um, just with the practical ways in which I saw disparities and brokenness and just praying for um, workers and many people who had been there for many, many years, but just praying that the people of faith would come together, um, those who were already here and those who were yet to come, because I felt completely overwhelmed and inadequate. Um, and God has definitely answered that prayer personally in our lives through East End Fellowship, um, because we remember when there was no East End Fellowship. Um, so when we look outside down the street, do we see potholes, corner stores, and eclectic architecture, or do we see a field, a field that is overwhelmingly full of fruit that is ripe for the harvest? Um, my spiritual gift happens to be evangelism, and yet um, I didn't know that it was not my fancy apologetics that I love to talk about in college or arguments for the truth of the gospel, but a simple act of bringing my med student friends who were not Christians to tutor in our home in Church Hill and into a life of incarnational ministry that would lead them closer to Christ. My friend Natalie, who's now an OBGYN, who lived with us and had turned away from the Lord, is now... Um, um, fully committed to the Lord and is getting ready to go overseas with her husband, who's an anesthesiologist, and for their young kids to serve um, in Southeast Asia um, as a witness for the gospel there. And she wrote words of encouragement that living in our crazy, crazy house prepared her for a future life of ministry. Um, <laughs> somehow, um, because you have to lose control, um, knowing that um, we don't need to have it all together to love incarnationally and share the gospel in our backyard, in our workplace. Um, another med school friend of mine, Sally, was an atheist when I met her, came to help and tutor, um, and wrote me later that although, although we didn't see eye to eye politically on many things, I wouldn't believe it, but she'd started attending church. Um, she's since moved um, to Alaska and is serving there as the only OBGYN around for miles. Um, We've seen the power of the gospel manifest in the life of our children and our daughter, Essie, um, as he has become real in her life and um, used her to heal her family um, through cycles of abuse and addiction. And um, it was a special moment this past Mother's Day when her biological mother, she brought her over and we offered a word of prayer and hugs to each other. So... Um, just wanted to share that. And we're hopeful that our son, Taman, will have a new life of freedom and hope in the gospel as he seeks to do re-entry ministry with us if the Lord provides a way for him to come stay with us in South Carolina when he gets out of prison this winter. Um, and I've had the privilege of working for a Catholic healthcare system the last few years where spiritual as well as physical healing is encouraged. Uh, the gift of praying and sharing the gospel while at work has been a huge blessing and faith-building experience, and just wanted to offer encouragement to those to step out of their comfort zone and pray with folks at work. Um, wherever you are now, God is calling you to speak boldly about how he has changed you to others. It's not by chance that you're here. The Lord wants to use you where you are planted for his harvest. There are so many waiting to hear the good news, to be set free from abuse, addiction, hopelessness, violence, depression, grief, pain, anger, all around us. 
We just need to speak the words, do the Bible, as Don says, and also use words. Each and every one of you represent a unique articulation of the gospel that the Lord wants to use to reach particular people and groups where you are in this world. Your personal testimony matters. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Jesus has set me free and you free with his sacrifice. And the God of the universe longs for his children. Share your story and your life with others. Bring a friend with you who doesn't know the Lord or a neighbor wherever you go and serve and invite them into your life and family and you just never know what God might do. Amen. Amen. My final one, and we're going to close this party down, is, and I want you to hear, because if I could have boiled everything down to one, this would be it. And this is it. There's absolutely no substitute for the will of God. Most people have these grandiose, and I love hearing stories secondhand about how chat, this organization and this community started in the neighborhood. But what I've tried to make it clear from the very beginning is chat wasn't really Angie and I's idea at all. Almost everything that's going on has not been our idea. I would have come up with much better ideas. (laughs) They would generally include me making a lot of money, sitting back, maybe working with Nick Cage on some of those movies. (laughs) They don't include sitting down with kids or long bus rides with kids in the heat of summer. Great smells there. It didn't include any of this stuff. And, And I mean, I didn't go to Duke and get degrees in biology and chemistry and philosophy and all these other things to hang around with kids for 20 years. But this is the interesting thing. What happened? What happened to Angie and I? The Bible. God's voice. As we immersed ourselves in God's word. As we became more and more familiar. As we matured. Most of us are acting like the will of God is some magic eight ball. That we can't, we cannot figure it out. And let me encourage you, and I mean this. Read the Bible. Please, for the love of everything holy, if it, like if you've met with me ever in your life, there's probably one thing we've done, and it's read the Bible. I don't have much. I'm not coming up with great ideas or concepts. People are like, why haven't you written a book yet on how to start a nonprofit? Because it's already been written. It's called the Bible. Like, it's, it's just true. I mean, like, it's, it's just absolutely true. And all I can do is comment on the fact that God is still speaking. He is active and he is real and he's not trying to keep secrets from you. Now, you might not want to hear it, but he's not trying to keep secrets from you. I've spent an awful lot of time talking with people and they, like, we get a little older in the neighborhood and you only got to be in your mid forties to be older in the neighborhood. And then people want to hear advice. Well, what do you think about that? What book can you send me to that's going to help explain that? And then I, like, the Bible? I can give you whole books of the Bible that are great about that. And people are like, no, I mean like a real book. Like that, that a sociologist has written or somebody else. Like racism wasn't a reality in the first century. When genocide was active. 
Or when whole people were being enslaved. Like, guys, every day I read the Bible, I'm trying to find problems that are different there that aren't going on right, right now, and I'm having a hard time. Every day I read that text, it seems more and more applicable to what's going on in my daily life, in my marriage, in my community, in our, in our country. But the question is, will we submit ourselves to it? Will we immerse ourselves in it? Or will we do what it talks about in the New Testament is we will find others who will tell us who will fill our tickling ears with wonderful things that we desire to hear. Because I can tell you this, if you want somebody to support your viewpoint, you are living in the culture where you can find it. Even if that, even if that viewpoint is the height of human existence is to hug llamas all day, I promise you, there is a Facebook group right now that desires you to be there. And yet we, not just for 40 years, not just for 100 years, but for thousands and thousands of years, for millennia, have been claiming that we are people who have been recipients of a revelation from God that reveals his character. We have access to the very nature of God every day. And it's there for us to enjoy and and. And literally in Deuteronomy, it says that we are to have it. So we're to write it on our hand. We're to scrawl it on our hands, put it on our forehead. We're to talk about it all the time. Put it on our doorposts so that as we go in and out, we won't forget it. Let me tell you something. We have to be people that are completely dependent on the will of God. And about 95% of that will, you can find... In plain sight in that book that's on that communion table right now. We're not here because we had this great idea that we were going to come be the great white hope in the east end of Richmond. That would be dumb. Matter of fact, it was dumb. You know, when we told people, you know what the spiritually mature people around us told us when we told them we were going to move? Bad idea. Some of the even more mature ones literally sat me down and had lunch with me and told me I might actively be working against the will of God because how in the world would I put my wife in an unsafe situation like that? These are people I looked up to and mature. And I'll never forget sitting down with Don. And Don did what every spiritual person should do in your life. They should cut through all the arguments and ask you a really, really simple question that Doug has said and that... Our new pastor, Doug, keeps reiterating, what is God saying to you? Because in this conversation, that's all that matters. If you're a white person that's been brought to this community, the only answer you need to question is God telling you to be in this community. If you're a black person that's in this community, the only question you need to answer is God calling you and saying to you, you need to be here. And it might be for a month, it might be for three months, it might be for 17 years. Or it might be for your whole entire life. But at the end of the day, the only person you're going to have to give account to is the person who desperately wants to tell you. And so I beg you, I ask you, stop trying to find a thousand and one substitutes for the will of God. Just stop and submit. 
submit to good leaders that you can trust. Let me tell you, my greatest gift here has not been the guy that's been running it, but has been submitting to amazing leaders who have loved me through the midst of my brokenness because they have grown me. They have pushed me. And I know Jesus far better today than I can even imagine I knew him 16 years ago. So people of God accept no substitutes. He seeks to express and tell you his will. Receive it. We feel honored and overjoyed for us to get 16 amazing years of unexpected blessings. Every time people say, how do you feel about chat? How do you feel about Easton Fellowship? Well, since we didn't expect any of this to happen, it's quite frankly overwhelming. It leads us to praise him. I, I was like, I was at Churchill Academy graduation. My only hope was going to get my daughter through school and make her a woman of God. It's done a lot more than that. Easton Fellowship, I'm going to be honest, I saw it initially as just a place where we could come and cry together a little bit about the, the, the worst thing that's ever happened to us every week. And little did we know that it was going to come the gathered body of Christ here in this part. So we praise him and we give him glory. You have blessed us richly. You have overwhelmed us with your love. And now, for one last time, we would like to pray a blessing over you. Oddly enough, they're going to come from scripture. So I pray that you would just bow your heads and close your eyes and you will receive this blessing from the Lord. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for you, for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And finally, the blessing that Aaron was to pray over the people of God and the priests as they step forward to bear witness to his love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Um, you guys could stretch your hands out here. Corey, if you could come. If the elders, any elders here, if you would come, please. Elders. Praise God. Pastor Doug. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Wow, what, a, what an amazing gift these two people are. And um, I just want y'all to know uh, so much of who I am and so much of, you know, how I've been able to survive here 
is directly connected to you all. Um, times I've prayed with Angie at the hospital that, you know, it's just amazing. Your heart for people is crazy. Many times I've prayed with Percy and talked with Percy, but my favorite one was when I told him he needed to be an elder. <laughs> and he was a great elder. So, Father God, we thank you now. What an amazing gift. And the final point is, is the point. They obeyed the will of God. They submitted to the will of God. And the power of that submission has borne much fruit. And much fruit that will remain and continue to produce. But here they are again, God. Obeying your will. And following your next path for them. And so as a family, mighty God, with all of our love, God, we release them to you, God. That their obedience to the will of God will once again bear much fruit and fruit that will remain pray your protection your angels around about them we give thanks already for just the amazing ways you've already just made their path move for your purposes so we say let your kingdom come let your will be done in the lives of the strict ones in jesus name amen Come on, give the Lord a big hand clap of praise. Come on, come on. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus.